for the money, thanking God for the job, thank him for the grace. Grace is doing it all. Somebody shout grace. Grace. All right. So if anybody asks, how'd you do that? Grace. Grace. God's grace. Without God's grace, we are ineffective. It is working at all times. It is preparing you for what you don't even know is coming. That's how awesome grace is. Grace was put in place while man was stuck on religion. I'm so glad that God sent Jesus. I thank God every day for Jesus. Because when Jesus came, he paved the way so that the dispensation of the fullness of grace can begin. Amen? In the Old Testament, they were not full of grace. God would give them grace. In the New Testament, when we received Jesus, we became full of grace. That means you don't need more grace. You just got to tap into what you already have. (laughs) Isn't that good? All right, let's turn to, um, well, can you put our theme scripture, Ephesians 2 and 8 on the board? And then we're going to jump over to chapter number three as Paul starts to define this thing and unveils it to us in a very, very awesome way. Let's read it. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Amen. You may be seated. It is the gift of God. You have been saved by grace through what? All right. So faith is the caveat of believing. Okay. Faith causes your belief system to be attached. Without faith, it is impossible to believe. Thereby, God gives everyone a measure of faith. Amen. How many of you believe you have grace? Grace for what? Don't you ever forget that again. (laughs) All right. Um, Chapter number three, Paul Paul begins to talk about the mystery. um, And then he, he begins to talk about this mystery about grace, right? And then he he describes it, um, what the purpose of it all, and then he talks about the appreciation. So let's let's dive into this this chapter, because I believe it's good. I believe it's going to really help us tonight. Verse number one says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus for the Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. Paul begins to talk. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a the prisoner of Christ. I love the way he describes himself because he, he immediately lets you know it's not about him. He calls himself a prisoner of Christ. If I'm going to be locked up in anybody, I'd love to be locked up in Jesus. 
you get locked up in Jesus, you got everything you need. So he calls him, the, he brings forth the identity uh, to, to the, the listeners that this is not about me because I'm locked up in Jesus. And so he gives a reference point so that we can all understand that it's good to be locked up in Christ. And he says, for you Gentiles, if, in, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the great to God, grace of God, which was given to me for you. So he's speaking, he's taught, he's saying, and for the Gentiles. Now, the letter that he's writing, he's writing to the mature church. So the mature church knows who Jesus is, but he's giving a greater de um, definition of this thing called grace. And he said that we, you know, this grace has been given, this dispensation, he said, the stewardship, this is about what God has given to me is for you. So God didn't give you grace for you. It's not just for you. God gave you grace. Number one, this is the first thing. God gave you grace not only to save you, but so that you can give grace to others. Thereby, he changes you by grace. You didn't change. You didn't stop smoking weed because you wanted to. I kicked the habit. That's not what happened. You didn't stop drinking alcohol because you didn't kick the habit. God kicked the habit out of you. <laughs> That's the truth. All your bad habits, all the things that you used to do against God's will, grace kicked it out of you. And so he says, he said, this grace, this dispensation of grace, he says, I got it. Paul says, I got it. But it's for you. God changed me so that I can help others. And so, and, and I love the way Paul writes because sometimes we get saved and, oh, God saved me. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. Oh, I'm supposed to be so blessed. And then God makes your life harder on you because you didn't have the potential right. God didn't save you so he can bless you and you can kick back and say, look how blessed I am. God saved you so that you could help others. And once you get that principle down, that's when the blessings overtake you. Because grace will bring blessings to you. The more grace you give out, the more that comes in. Isn't that something? The manifestation of grace. You won't run out of grace. Go ahead and say, I'm loaded. And when you offload, you get loaded up again. So he says... <clears throat> Verse number three. 
Keep going. Keep going. stop right there we're gonna come back to it but he takes off in three and I'm gonna read it so that the CD will record um, the, the scripture says how that by revelation how did it happen how did it happen mm -hmm. revelation is God revealing all right so by God revealing he made known to me the mystery Paul says as I have briefly written already by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it had now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostle and prophet that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the same promise in Christ through what? The gospel. Paul says, when this dispensation happened, God said, it is no more the Israelites, the Jews. He says, but all my people, Jews and Gentiles, no matter who it is, God says, because of what I've done through my son, I give grace to everyone. If God has given grace to the Jews and the Gentiles, he has crossed every line and has left no one out. Everybody has a right to the kingdom of God. If God has chosen you, it does not matter where you are, what position you're in, how many times you messed up, how many times you lied, how many times you cheated, or you stole. Everyone has a right through this dispensation of grace. This was a mystery. And it was held back because in the Old Testament, they, if you were not a Jew, you were not considered to be righteous but God had a plan so that he could include who everyone if he includes everyone then we should include he didn't leave anyone out God is so awesome he gives us this story I think we got time for it. Turn to John chapter 8. We're going to come back here in a minute. John chapter 8.
You there? Verse 1, let's go. Somebody read it. Okay, while Jesus was teaching the scribes and the Pharisees, these are the ones that knew the word. Okay? While Jesus was teaching, now there's, when Jesus is teaching, there shouldn't be no interruption. <laughs> the word was speaking word. And the, and the Pharisees, the ones who know the word, and the scribes, the ones that know the word, they brought a woman and interrupted Jesus while he was teaching and said, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. Isn't that what he said? Read it again. That last verse. Keep going. Okay. Wait a minute. He said, we did not only caught her in adultery, but we was keeping time. <laughs> they didn't toll on themselves. Isn't it something? A lot of times you're telling on somebody, but you end up telling on yourself too. <laughs> they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Isn't that something? How we see somebody doing wrong and we want to put them on black. I got a question. What does that do for you to tell on somebody else? To talk about somebody else's sin? Don't you remember that Noah had three sons, Zepheth and Shem and Ham, and he was naked and drunk, and Ham went in and seen him naked and drunk and came out telling his business? And they told um, Japheth and Shem, and Japheth and Shem grabbed a cover and walked in backwards and covered them up so that they wouldn't see them. And God blessed them because they were not exposing sin. But Ham was, was a Canaanite, end up the enemies of God. And so what does that say? That we shouldn't, we're the church, we're the family of God. We shouldn't be trying to tell people. We should be trying to cover them up while we get them healed of the sin. That's grace. Okay, verse 5. Mm -hmm. So wait, wait, wait. Moses in the what? In the what? Okay, so the law 
was coming through Moses. But through Jesus, we have grace. And so, here's how awesome God is. He says, it is impossible for man to follow the law. So I got to give him grace. <laughs> Isn't that something? He said, it's impossible. Even when you know the law, you still mess up. Everybody in here, when it said 55, you went higher. <laughs> when the speed limit was 55, <laughs> that was law. We break our own laws. Oh, I'm not going to eat that cake. I'm on a diet. I'm going to be on a diet for 10 days. And you break your own diet because you saw something and you can't stick to your own law. I'm so thankful for the grace because it's a proven fact that if we didn't have grace, we would be all on our way to hell. All right. Verse 5, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? The scribes are talking to the deity, the word of God. Let's see what he has to say. Verse 6, keep going. This they said what? How are you going to test God? <laughs> Keep going. That they might have something. Okay, now they have just admitted that they work for the devil. Right? The Bible says the accuser of the brethren is Satan himself. The scribes, they know the word, they know what's written, and they, they're bringing it up so that they can beat up somebody else. They said they wanted to catch Jesus, slipping. Jesus don't slip. Everybody slip except Jesus. <laughs> Everybody in here slip. Some of us on a slide right now. <laughs> Some, but, keep going, what did it say, Mike? But what? But Jesus told them, don't you talk crazy to me. I'm not the one. You know how we do? Somebody come at you the wrong way? On the wrong day? And they oh, I messed up, Pastor. I hadn't eaten and they got me. I, I cussed them out. Just, what happened to grace? When somebody wrongs you, what happened to grace? See, see, we look at it, okay, yeah, I got grace, but you want to pick and choose who you want to give grace to. And I was guilty of it too. 
I, and I used to say, oh, I can never forgive this type of person or that type of person. But then, oh, that was, that was hurting me. Grace allows you to forgive everybody. So they, they put Jesus on the spot because Jesus was teaching. And when Jesus was talking, people was coming from everywhere. And the Pharisees and scribes said, now what you going to do? Here she is. Moses said, stone her. Let's go. Next verse. And that's what we need to do. <laughs> when somebody is coming at you the wrong way, you don't have to give them a piece of your mind. And you don't have to give them none of your lip service either. I know you got a Rolodex of cuss words just sitting in the back seat. <laughs> you can really let them go, but that won't help the situation. It says, says, Jesus, they was, they was talking, trying to prove how intelligent they were. And Jesus got down and started writing in the ground. While they was talking, he was stooping and writing. In other words, he said, I can just bow down to the ground in that dirt instead of dealing with the dirt that's coming out of your mouth. Uh, he, he, he says, let me, let, me, let me deal with it down here. Let's go, verse 7. He says, okay, I'm going to teach you grace without even saying the word. Since you won't follow Moses' law, if you don't have no sin, get those rocks and go at it. I'm sure the woman was petrified. Sometimes I try to get in the scripture. Jesus, you gonna let them get me? But Jesus knew there's nobody who hasn't sinned. And we wanna say, well, yeah, I sinned, but I haven't done this and I haven't done that. And think because you haven't done this or that that you could judge somebody else and not give them grace. And the only reason why you aren't a murderer is because grace kept you from being one. The only reason why you didn't OD is because grace kept you from ODing. And so Jesus began to write and he stands up because they kept on going. And I love the way he deals with them because he, he's showing them grace. So he says, okay, if you stuck on what Moses said, I'm here. I'm the word. And you stuck on what some say. 
then pick up the stone if you don't have no sin. Because Moses also said, thou shall not. So if you're going to hold her by the law, you better hold you by the law. And so he puts it back on their court and says, I need to teach everybody grace. Verse 8. And again, after he told Moses, he went back down on the ground. And he began to write again. You see, there's something about the text. It never says what he wrote. But the word was writing a word. Ah, and if, because of what I see that's not said, I'm equating it to what I didn't see him write. Oh, goodness. Ah, nobody knows what was written. They don't talk about what was written. And no, he never mentions the word grace. I believe if he was teaching grace, he was writing grace. Now don't go tell everybody Jesus wrote great. That's what I just believe. <laughs> Verse number nine. And those who heard it being convicted by what? Their conscience. They heard it and they were convicted. Because when word speaks to you from word, if there's something that's not right, grace will come in and start convicting. Because Jesus loved the Pharisees and the scribes too. The only thing about them is they were stuck on what used to be about what happened in the past. I got to pause for a minute and let you know to let go of everything that happened in your past because you are not subjected to your past. Jesus gave you a hope and a future and you ought to stay in the hope and the future and let your past go. And anybody want to bring up your past, let them go. <laughs> right? <laughs> you got to let them go too. I remember my mom let me go. That was the best thing she could have ever did. She said, God, he's in your hands. <laughs> and nothing I can do with him. And when you turn your child over to the Lord, all you got to do is whatever you're believing for, don't ask God for it again. Amen. Start thanking him. Oh, thank you, God, for delivering my son. Oh, thank you, God, for delivering my daughter. Oh, thank you, God. I know that your grace is sufficient for my child. I know. See, when you start thanking God like that, that's worship. God says, I move when I get worship. And so, 
Then those who heard it being convicted, they were convicted by their conscience. The Bible says that they went out. They left. Listen, and that's what I always say. Either the word is going to change you or the word will run you out. One of the two. And if you God's child, I put a smile on my face because I know you'll be back. Because when God chooses you, you can make all the choices you want, but he has the final say. And if he chose you, he's going to have his way. One way or another. (laughs) They went on one more. Beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. We see so much grace. It's not said, it's demonstrated. And that's what the mystery was all about with Paul. He's saying, I have to demonstrate that it's all about the grace that God has given us through his son, Jesus. Turn back to Ephesians. We got 10 minutes and we're going home. <clears throat> Is this good? I believe we're at verse 8, 6, 7. Read 6 and 7. Isn't that something? Paul breaks it down right here. And he's, it, you, what I love about this, this mystery, he's saying everybody's included. We're all, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when somebody in the church sins, that's still a part of our body. And we can't, oh, they did this. No, we got to love them, and the love of God will heal them. And if they don't want to receive the love, they will leave. But they'll be back. While they're gone, we're thanking God and believing for the prodigal son or daughter to come back home. Because grace will cause you to believe and hope for the best for everybody. That's what this mystery does. And then sometimes I don't even understand how I could even be, feel the way that I feel. Normally I would be mad, but I'm not mad. I really want the best for them. How did that happen? Grace changed you. Isn't that something? He said, he said, this grace, he said, of which I became, he said, this grace that brought everybody together, 
He said, that, he said, which I became a minister according to the gift of the what? Of God. You cannot minister without God's grace. Because his spirit is the true minister. And grace pushes it out. And so Paul says, this gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. What kind? Effective. Effective means that it's going to generate good results. No matter what, it will do what it's sent to do. And he said, by that effective working of his power, it is his power that ministers. That's why when you minister, you can talk to 20 people and minister something different to them. Each one gets different mail. Isn't it something? Only God can do that. Because his word is effective and, his, and powerful. All right, verse number nine, eight. Oh, my goodness. Now he says, he, he says, now look, this is the purpose that we get grace. Because when you get grace, you have this richness that you can't explain. You feel good even when you're not supposed to. Huh? There, there's something about you that is different that you can't even really articulate to anybody else. You can't explain the God that's working on you on the inside. It's unexplainable. But it feels so good. Does bad things still happen? Yes. But even though bad things are happening, God has a way of still making us feel good. He says, to me, now get this, who am less than the least now he speaks to humility. Grace should make you humble. Why? Because that's part of God's process. Humility is as a necessity for God to use you. And if you don't have humility, God will break you down. And you will be humble. Because God can't use you effectively as long as you think it's you. So Paul says, I'm the least of all the saints. He considers himself, you know, not the bishop. Oh, I'm the presiding bishop of church, got it going on, you know. It's just something that it's, 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 you're right, it's laughable because what, 
where all this stuff coming from that you got to be the whoever? And then if they don't, they don't put that tag on your name, these people are getting mad. Those, listen, that's not your name. That's an office, a sacred office that God moves you into. But when you move yourself into it, you are caught up on a title. But Paul says, I'm the least of the saints. This grace was given for what? That I should preach. He says, I'm grace to preach. I'm grace to serve. I'm grace to serve with the men. I'm grace with the children. I'm grace with outreach. I'm grace for it. That the grace is moving you to be used by God. I'm grace for children. I'm grace to help those that, that, that can't help themselves. God's grace is effectively working in you. That I should preach among who? The Gentiles. And the Gentiles were looked at as the ones who didn't deserve to go to heaven. And they were looked at that way by the church. Isn't that that still to this day, the church is looking out and counting people out because of what they've done or what they're doing. When truly, we shouldn't be in here praying for the job. You got grace to get the job. You shouldn't be praying for the house. He's giving you grace to get the house. We should be praying for the prostitutes and the drug addicts and the drug dealers and the murderers. Huh? They need some grace. And if grace can catch a murderer and change his life around, that is the effective working power of God. See, how many of you know that we can, listen, God has saved us so that we can make a difference. Amen. And if we start releasing grace and believing, oh, not in this neighborhood, God's going to change this neighborhood. I hear people talking about, oh, sycamore is this, sycamore is that. God can sycamore, God, God it don't matter. God could sick his Holy Spirit more on sycamore. Where there's big trouble, there's a bigger God. And so we're the church. He says that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That is his grace. No matter how deep you dig, you can never get to the bottom of grace. And no matter how high you climb, you can never get to the top of grace. Because God's grace is unsearchable. And he gave it to you. For what? 
so he can use you to give it to others. Because truly, when you give grace, you are being the church that he calls you to be. He said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter had issues. Peter was a cusser and a slicer. He'll pull his sword out and cut you, and he'll cuss you out. Yeah, y'all laugh because some of us were the same way. <laughs> but, but grace, grace found Peter and said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. I can use you because your heart, your heart is ready for my not about what your mind talked you into doing. It's about the heart that you're giving to me. And because you have so much tenacity, we can use that in the kingdom. You, you have determination. God said, I can use determination. And so when we were stuck in sin, we was determined to stay in it. We were. And God said, ooh, when I get them out, they're going to stay with me. Because they have determination. And so grace attached to you and stayed. But God has not finished unveiling through revelation the unsearchable riches of his grace. There's still some mystery. But grace is unlimited for you. Give God a hand of praise. All right. Did that help anybody? Grace is good, right? Grace is the key. Thank God for grace. Find a way 